I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Are you alive? Are you alive? And equally important, are you sure? Are you sure? You well, okay, if you, are you sure? How can we know? Oh, well, actually, <clears throat> we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. So are you alive? Are you sure? Anyone who hates a brother or sister, in this sense, a fellow believer, is a murderer. And and John writes this because he's basing it on what Jesus said, that unresolved anger with a fellow believer is murder in the heart, in God's eyes. And he says, you know that no murderer, you know, literal or emotional, has eternal life residing in them. Because hate and love don't room together. So, yikes. Yikes. How do we know? How do we know if we actually love each other enough? Good question. Well, this is how we know. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so, therefore, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, right? Got to decide. Got to decide if we're going to be life takers or life givers. Choices between taking theirs by refusing to try and resolve whatever any animosity is between us or giving ours by dying to self, right? Has to do with the pride. Laying aside our pride. And going all in. Going all in for the cause of Christ. As opposed to simply making a very nice contribution to the cause. And then telling ourselves we've paid our dues. You go, so what's the difference? Is it a fine line? No, not really. Not really. All in and and a nice contribution. I think it's, uh, you may not know this story. It's after Jesus declared all, that all foods are clean. Uh, apparently a hen and a pig decided to pool their resources and offer the king of kings a breakfast of bacon and eggs. The chicken made a very nice contribution. But that pig was all in. <laughs> this is all in. Laid down his life, right? Thing is, it's much easier to just die or as John says, remain in death than to die to self. That's just a tough, tough thing to do. Die to self. That's why Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, you know, displayed on the cross and, and elsewhere, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy 
and pleasing to God. This, this is your proper, true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the mercy of this world in view of God's mercy. Don't conform to the world's idea of mercy. Jesus said, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? So the world does. And not life. Not life. And so he goes on, Paul says, but be transformed into loving others by having mercy like the one who had and continues to have mercy on you and me. How? (laughs) By the renewing by God's word, wherein we view God's mercy for the renewing of your mind, wherein most of our murders take place. Right? So here's a fun question. What's the very first thing you have to do to become a living sacrifice? First thing you have to do. Live You can't be a living sacrifice unless you choose to live. How? Love. Love. How? Die. How? To self. Live, love, die. Or rather chronologically, die, love, live. Because that's how we know. That's what we read. That's how we know that we have passed from death to life. Because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And therefore cannot offer themselves as a living sacrifice. Mm -mm. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So are you making a nice contribution or are you all in? Living sacrifice. The word living, living. That tells us it's an ongoing commitment. Sacrifice tells us it's complete, utter surrender to Christ. So a living sacrifice is an ongoing commitment of complete surrender to live And love as the Lord loves us. Rather than just doing as the world does by trying to save your bacon. As Jesus also said, whoever wants to save their life is going to lose it. You see, we're simply putting his mercy on display. By duplicating in our own small way to others the incredible The incredible thing that he did for us, that display of merciful love. So are you all in? You got to be all in. You got to die to self. We can deceive ourselves when our heart is moved, genuinely moved. Because this is a message to believers who are walking in death. It's a message we don't talk about that often. But our heart can deceive us when when our heart is moved To make something right. Oh, I know what I should do. And I know why. Uh, We deceive ourselves by settling for talking about how we feel. Rather than acting on the convictions. But love is an action in response to a feeling. Self-delusion is uh, deriving self-satisfaction from compassionate feelings alone. And thinking you're a compassionate person. No, you got to do the compassion. you got to do the compassionate thing. Dear children, 
let us not love with words, with just words or tongue, but with actions and in truth with those words in the tongue. Both. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth. And here's a bonus. And it's how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our heart condemns us. So it's very important because our hearts often condemn us in his presence. That's how we set it at rest. Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever, poof, those who are being made holy. You know, the old bump, bump, bump. This one little scripture is so incredible. It's so power-packed because this, in this one little line, it not only reminds us that, boy, we better be walking the talk and being made holy, but at the same time, it removes all the guilt and shame and self-condemnation that comes from failing in our attempts, right? Oh, you're made perfect forever. Those were being made holy. But it's a dangerously comforting verse because it makes it easy to ignore our part in the being made process. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. That's the good kind of an imitation. You want to be that kind of an imitation. We know and rely on the love God has for us. We know it, sing about it, praise him for it, rely on it. God is love. So whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And in this way, love is made complete among us, among us brothers and sisters, as spiritual siblings. It's where we practice it on each other so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this dark world, we are like him. We are the shining light of love. Not perfectly by any stretch. But, but according to that little verse, considered perfect while being made holier, sanctified. By committing ourselves here, by committing ourselves to applying what we currently can, do what you can, and then practicing to strengthen in order to eventually achieve what we currently can't. See, the secret is just simply to never settle for whatever level of renewal we currently have. Until the day of your death, whenever, wherever that may be, you just don't ever get to say, well, I made it. I'm done growing now. <laughs> but no, we got to make every effort to become that genuine imitation like a child with a father. This is kind of, kind of interesting. Paul's uh, Greco-Roman audience he's writing to, they would have been stunned that he says to offer our bodies. You know, because they, they had a real weird kind of fascination with the body. They regarded the body, the human body, as something the gods definitely didn't want. You know, it's aging, blotchy, achy, wrinkled. I can never remember all seven dwarves. Uh, but I know it's itchy and scratchy. Uh, but that, 
That is the reason for all those statues. That's the reason for their obsession with idealizing the human form into godlike perfection. And you go, but then, you know, gosh, I read the Old Testament and I got to say, didn't, didn't God, our God, the God, demand spotless, flawless, perfect sacrifices? Yes, absolutely. But that was for sin. And that was accomplished in Christ. Ours isn't a sacrifice for sin. Not earning anything here. Ours is a sacrifice for righteousness. We're growing towards something. Paul made this really clear uh, six chapters earlier in Romans. Saying, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Uh, You know, gratefully. Because it's not earning that. You're doing it because of that. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. And let's grow. Let's grow. See, we're not earning forgiveness. right? We're confirming our faith as true and proper worship. And that's why Paul says in that same verse, our life uh, must be holy. Which simply means set apart. Set apart to please our Father. And what pleases him is to be all in when it comes to being set apart. Because I'll tell you, a lot of people want to serve God, but only as advisors. Don't fall into that trap. You know what? You know why that is? They're chicken. Yeah. But Paul begins Romans chapter 1, verse 1, saying he couldn't be more all in. It's easy to miss because we don't kind of know the word here. But he says right off, Paul, a bond servant, bond slave, not just a slave, a bond slave, a bond servant of Christ Jesus. Everyone he's writing to knew what that meant. A bond servant is specifically a slave who so loves their Lord, that was the word for master, their Lord, that they choose a lifetime commitment of service after being set free. That's a bond servant. It's like, you're free. Here you go. And it's like, I don't want to leave you. You, you, you know, for one thing, you just set me free. <laughs> what master does that? I just, I want to serve you for the rest of my life. It's a bondservant. And Paul says, that's me. I'm a bondservant called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel. Gospel simply means good news, good news of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures, wherein we renew our minds concerning his son. But now look at this. Notice, Paul does not say that he was set apart from something, but for This is really important. Set apart for something, for the good news of God's Son. He's running towards something. I got what I think is a great example with a really embarrassing photo. Uh, When I married Char, (laughs) look at that. That's back when perms were in for the men. Uh, 39 years ago. Oh my goodness, next year's the big 4 0. That's, That's a full Noah. That's a full Noah ago. You could be my kid. It's crazy. Why do you look like my uncle? Uh, what? I wasn't thinking, go back to the analogy, stop it, go back to the analogy. When I married Char, 
I guarantee I was not thinking about all the women I was being separated from. The only thing on my mind was the one I was, that I was willingly, eagerly, gratefully, joyfully being separated for and joined through the bond, through the bond of matrimony being joined to. Much like a bond servant. Last Sunday, I said that you are the joy that was set before Jesus for which uh, reason he endured the cross. And that he must be the joy set before you for which reason you will endure hardship as discipline, which means training, as his children. And by far, just in case you haven't realized this, by far, the biggest ongoing disciplinary hardship of the Christian life is dying to self. And I ended the message last week asking you to imagine a firefighter unwilling to enter a burning building. And what's that? I don't know, but it's not a firefighter. And then to imagine a child of God who claims to follow Christ but is unwilling to lay down their life as a living sacrifice of love in order to bring the light of Jesus into a dark and dying world. And what's that? What is that? Well, let me just say, if you find yourself continually looking back and returning to your former worldly ways, I respectfully suggest that you see your faith, you see yourself as having been set apart from something rather than for. And that's a recipe for remaining in the darkness of death in spite of the light of life all around us. Jesus said, I am the light. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, you know, hard-hearted hatred, but will have the light of life. So if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness of death, we lie mostly to ourselves. I do not live by the truth. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister, still in the darkness, still in the darkness, walks around in the darkness because the darkness has blinded them to the darkness. Woe to those you know, who haven't realized it. Think they're walking in the light. Woe to those who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Uh-uh. If then Jesus says the light within you is darkness? How great is that darkness? You're a walking self-deception. Some scary verses. You ever uh, heat a, a TV dinner in the microwave? And mostly it's those little turkey TV dinners that do this. And you sit down to enjoy it, you know, and then you bite into it only to find nice and hot on the outside, but still frozen in the middle. Oh, man, I hate that. I hate that. And the Lord hates that, in a sense. Our Father hates half-baked faith. I mean, he says as much over and over. That's when you and I, that's when we are nice and warm and all Christian-y on the outside, while a part of our heart hiding down inside remains frozen. That's a murderous heart. 
And it's a dangerous thing because it's easy to justify and ignore that frozen core under a surface layer of warmth. So don't. Don't. You call it out. A great little riddle. A great little riddle that Jesus poses to the religious posers concerning sacrifices. Listen up now. Which is greater, he says, the gift, that would have been the sacrifice, the offering, or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Because that's how it worked before Jesus died and rose. Which is greater? He goes on to say it's the altar. It's the altar that sanctifies. For by one offering or sacrifice, as NIV says, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified, made holy. You see, uh, we have an altar. I hope you love this verse as much as I do. We, believers, we have an altar. It's not the old one in the temple, okay? From which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right. You see, Jesus suffered on a cross outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp bearing the disgrace of the cross that he bore. Through Jesus, therefore, let us as a kingdom of priests, which is what we are, continually offer to God a sacrifice. What kind? A living sacrifice of praise. You go, oh, singing? No. Look how he defines praise. The fruit. The fr- that's the produce. The result. The actions of lips. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good. And to share with others. Because that's the fruit. For with such loving, thus living sacrifices of true and proper worship, God is pleased. There it is again. God is pleased. He says, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, who said, now you're the light. You are the light of the world. So let your light of love shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You've, here's where he says it. You've heard it that anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. I tell you, anyone who's angry with a brother or sister, this is talking about that ongoing and I won't let it rest and I won't bring it to resolution uh, without a cause kind of anger will be subject to judgment. And anyone who says, you fool, they'll be in danger of the fire of hell. Got to take this stuff serious. Therefore, if you are offering your gift, your living sacrifice at the altar of Christ, because we have an altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, right or wrong, leave your half-baked gift of love for God there in front of the altar, the cross of Christ, because that sacrifice remains in death. First, go and be reconciled to them as much as you can. You know, as much as you can. 
main point here is because it's not enough to just love the Lord. I mean, he demands that we, we must love others as he loves us. Then come and offer your gift. Then come and offer your loving, thus living, thus true and proper, thus pleasing gift. Love your enemies. Come on. Love your enemies. Whose disciples are you? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Just before the cross, Jesus said to his disciples, as I have loved you, so you must. You must love one another. Because by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Father is not pleased with half-hearted efforts, okay? But this is a relief. He sure gets a kick out of wholehearted attempts that fall flat on their face. Oh, good. Oh, good. Bump, bump, bump. Practice, practice, practice. You being made holy? Well, then he sees you as perfect. My little children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, mostly to themselves. This is how we know. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as him. Must live as Jesus did, because that was his command. Because the darkness is passing and the true light of life and love is already shining. So you in? Y'all in? Are y'all all in? See, Old Testament sacrifices died for man's Sin, but us, you and me, we're called to live for God's glory as visible proof of his great mercy. So look alive, look alive and put it on display. You are alive, right? You sure? Let's pray. Father God, you are love and we love you and we offer ourselves to live in and live out your love. But Lord, we'll lean on your love to carry it out. So Holy Spirit, inspire us and embolden us to press through our pride and to do what it takes to set our heart at rest in your presence. Lord Jesus, we praise you and we thank you for making the way to live in your love. And everybody said, Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.